It's been too long like also it's weird doing this on zoom i know yeah. and not in person sometimes okay. welcome back to the women's cycling weekly podcast back on zoom hi rachel hi how's it going all right pretty tired post world's hangover i think you feel the same yeah mate big time i'm actually exhausted big struggle to get out of bed this morning yeah no, I feel you. But I mean, you were working. I was just like spectating. Yeah. But well, like mine was that... kind of working and socializing. A bit heavy on the socializing part, though. Just call it networking, then it still works. Yeah, networking at one a.m. in a club in Glasgow. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, I'm sad I couldn't join that, but I was on the other side of Scotland. You so. were too busy being chief wag <laughs> with big leagues um yeah no I was in Peebles for the mountain bike cross country but yeah you were in Glasgow for the road races crucially the women's were you there for the TT no you went on the ground for the TT no I went out for the men's uh weekend road race and then home for the week in London and then back for the women's so saw both of like the road races which was good because I did the TTs weren't in Glasgow whether they're in somewhere else Sterling yeah yeah so no I didn't go to them no that was the thing I've said this like a million times but I feel like the way everything was so spread out was for like watching on the ground or for working or even like racing was just really not the oh. one yeah, like I know, I didn't actually do it, but I know a lot of the people who wanted to go to the start, especially for the men's, I think the photographers had to go up at like 4am to get a bus to the start, to then shoot the start and then get a bus back to Glasgow to like make it back in time for the laps. And it was just like, was, that's a bit ridiculous, but. Yeah, I didn't even think about it because it started in Edinburgh. So even that was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it wasn't easy. And like even picking up the accreditation like was an actual nightmare. It was like we had to pick it up on somewhere like on the outskirts of Glasgow. And then like if you're a photographer, you had to pick it, pick your accreditation up somewhere like that was like a good like, I don't know, 30 minute drive from Glasgow. And then you had to pick up your actual photographer's vest in the centre from like a different media um centre. So it was really it wasn't it wasn't an easy thing even though I was like oh it's all in Glasgow like such an easy life but um it wasn't actually that simple <laughs> well I think that's what they tried to go for they tried to be like oh yeah like super world's all in one place like which I think it worked for watching from home like on tv like everything being on at once it, it was given olympics but if you wanted to like actually be there it's just like a bit of a nightmare yeah like I actually love watching on tv I was, I don't know, like I put the TV on and I'd be watching like BMX and stuff, which I would not normally do, but it was really good to just know that something was on and you could just, yeah, like the Olympics. Well, I, in the Olympics, I always end up watching like some stuff that's a bit random, like, I don't know, like judo or something. And it was a bit like that. Like I just put the TV on and I was like, yeah, great, I'll watch it. So yeah, you I like that. Artistic cycling. No, I missed that. Did you? Uh, no, I just know that everyone was talking about it like, 
thin. I don't know. What did I watch? I actually didn't watch anything like too road. I think I literally just stuck to like, it was hard enough keeping up with like the track events and the road events and the mountain bike. Like, it was a lot. Yeah, the track was so good though. I actually loved watching the track as well throughout the week. Um, it was so exciting. There was a lot of crashes in the track actually. Was yeah, quite... there was. But um, yeah, no, the track was really good. Actually, all of it was good. Like there was just really good racing, cross country. What was I gonna say? But yeah, track the track's cool was cool. Like I actually really like watching track. Like I, I kind of forget about it, and then when it's on, I get really into it. Like when the track champions league was on, it was the same. Like, um, I just love like it's good for the old attention span because it's short mm. and fast. Yeah, I liked how it was like you had like the power cycling, you had the men's, you had the women's, like all it was like, you know, you'd have like all in the same evening, you'd watch like a, a men's race, a women's race, a uh, women like power race, a men's power race. And like it was good because it was like a bit of variety. Whereas mm-hmm. sometimes when you I, I I also think for like the person who's not like is into cycling, track racing is probably a lot more spectator friendly because it's just so short and like understandable rather than you know if you if you were told you had to sit and watch like five hours of the same peloton riding around in the road race you might be a bit like it's a bit much but it was kind of kept you engaged the track a bit more yeah yeah what can we say about the races though like I feel like so much has happened I've like actually forgotten like most of the results but yeah I think like the track or the road (laughs) Any, <laughs> no, I th- I was thinking track more. Like obviously, we know that Kopecky won. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. he killed it like legend. She didn't even go home, you know. She went. She left the Tour de France. She went straight to Glasgow, so she didn't. So she could like be there, and then she just did the track, and then she did the road race. It's like, girl. I hope she's having holiday now. I hope she's going to lie on a beach. Yeah. I really I I really hope she will um because I can't imagine how tired she must be that's just a lot I can barely even well I couldn't even get out of bed this morning after doing nothing so imagine what I've done (laughs) I'm literally sat here like I'm so tired like I've got such a habit of like speaking to like cyclists who have just done like really ridiculous like races or like race programs or like whatever and I'll just be like I'm so tired and they like look at me like bro and I'm like but it's different tired mental like I don't know you know when you go like for a big ride and you're like physically really really tired but like from the tour like staying up really late trying to work trying to use your brain like I'd rather like just ride my bike get off my bike and not have to do anything for the rest of the day still Maybe you need to have a career change, try and uh, train, become a pro. You know, after your um, performance on the Tourmalet, I think uh, <laughs> I think you've got a good chance of making it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I just have to get over the fact that I've got like zero technical skills and no talent. But yeah, we'll, I, I might try it. Oh, no, well, I've I've heard you're a bit of a shredder actually on the descents. I don't know who told you that. I think it's that message. What was that message that Sam sent you? Oh, no, he was on the phone. He phoned in the car. Yeah, what did he call you? He was like, ballsy. you're... Yeah, he was like, you're pretty ballsy. 
that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking like the only um, thing I'm ballsy at is like jostling my way through uh security after races to get to it <laughs> yeah you fucking have to be um oh. so, but yeah what were we talking about oh yeah the track no what was I gonna say I was gonna say didn't Jennifer Valente win the Omnium which is quite cool because she's like she she's won so much now and she's still at the top which I don't I don't know I didn't think she would because she had like Archibald Capecchi um you know Ali Wollaston like quite a few she wasn't in my like expectations necessarily of the person who was going to win the Omnium um so yeah. that was she's a bit she's been around for ages though and like she's she yeah. has like she it's easy to forget about her I think because she doesn't she's not as prominent on the road and other stuff as some of those other riders are but like I when I was watching it I was like oh is she still going like how old is she nowadays because I feel like I remember her from like years and years ago but she's still only I think like 31 or something she's not even or maybe not even 30 like she's not um she's been around for ages but I think she just was like so good from so young so yeah 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 no I I thought the same thing I think I literally looked up her age like oh how old is she now because I've seen her race so much but yeah also um Emily Diedrichson she Mm -hmm. well she looked really strong which was good to see because she's one of those who's like well obviously she won the worlds didn't she on the road and that was such a big result and I think she's always been good since then but it's been like because like you know living up to winning a world title like that's hard for anyone um so it was actually like good to see her back um racing like so much of that omnium depended on the like it all changed in the last points race as well which was quite exciting mm-hmm. like it like just everything like shook up so that's quite cool that's yeah good. and I think there were some like surprises I think the fact that Katie Archibald and Ali Wollaston were out pretty early in the elimination race uh, um also made a big difference yeah, yeah. I also just love watching match sprinting too like I just love seeing people sack each other out on the line and just like and it's... Emma Finnegan like yeah she won the, the sprint and like isn't she super young as well it's like bloody impressive yeah, yeah the British track riders are just coming good just in time for for Paris which is but I think we ha- I think she's like the first British winner since Becky James like individual sprint world champ on the women's side really so okay. in like 20, I want to say 2013 I think they said so quite a long time ago so yeah that's so exciting like actually the women's sprint is so good like Sophie Capewell Emma Finucan and I don't I don't know name of some of the others but they did they Matilda did grow yeah um, yeah and then the Germans, oh my god, names. I don't know. A couple of, yeah. Where did the GB girls come in the team sprint in the end? Didn't they do like a good ride there as well? Yes, I think so. Honestly, it feels like it happened so long ago. I was watching the whole yeah, thing. I, I really hope we haven't just, they didn't like win and we've just, and I've just said they did quite a good ride and they actually won. Yeah. But it's like we were saying, there's so many events on the track that it's like one finishes and then it's like, okay, next. And then it's so easy to like, it's hard to keep track of everything, but ha keep track. I didn't mean to do that. Oh wow, you're so funny. <laughs> track. We're just going around in circles. <laughs> uh, oh god, we're of jokes today. Uh anyway, track, yeah. So we had that. Also, um 
the downhill is pretty sick up in 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 the spirit of covering downhill even though Tilda's not part of this any longer oh, I, can't, I can't contribute to this no you can't but it's okay I can so you just race off for a minute. Take the floor, take the mic. <laughs> no, there's not really much to say other than like it's one of the things that was really cool for me was that the junior women's downhill race was a podium sweep for the Kiwis, which is really cool because it shows how they're really developing downhill down there, especially for women. And it's just shows like if you put in resources and you put into development, like what can happen. So yeah, like downhill is one of the the disciplines that has got a lot of a long way to go when it comes to closing the gap between the men's and women's side because it I feel like just it's extreme nature means that like for a long time like women have been sort of I don't know it's it's just not been a sport that women have been as quick to take up maybe I don't know or it's been not been like presented to them as an option the same as for men um and so it is actually quite it's a really fast growing area of the sport so it's cool to see that um on the elite side for the gb for the women there was a few like crashes and things like that so it wasn't quite as yeah um exciting but yeah yeah that's cool actually because it's funny like talking about like kiwis and the development there was taught i had like a talk with um Ali Wollaston and Ella Wiley who are obviously both from New Zealand and they were like saying how on the roadside that the development's really like poor and there isn't really enough like pathways and stuff for like young riders to come over to Europe and it's like really tricky so interesting that like that they're if they're like investing in downhill um but then like less so in road that's just quite like a interesting approach I guess mm. yeah inter- it's it's weird as well because like I don't really know like it seems that there's been a lot of young Kiwi girls on the road coming through in the last few years so interesting that that's happening even though they say there isn't as much support yeah yeah I know that's what we were kind of talking about like it's a bit wild that like the federation doesn't invest a bit more considering like they're really proving how much talent they've got as well so yeah yeah I think the good thing about those them though is they were like talking about how they really want to be the ones to like help make a difference and they're really passionate about investing their time into younger riders and helping more and more like Kiwis come over and I was like oh, that's great that you have like a you're making like a wider purpose out of what you're doing I thought it was cool oh that's cool I get that that impression from Ali Wollstone actually like well you interviewed her right for yeah yeah she's she's really passionate about like leaving sport in like a better place for the next generation and wants wants to like you know make make a difference in that area as well as with her own riding because she's she works for the cyclist alliance as well she said she hasn't done as much with them as she wanted to because she's been really busy like she's doing a law degree as well like a bit of a ledge but um yeah good for her what a woman yeah so but I think when she said when she like finishes her law degree she's gonna do a bit more she's on like the rider council rider okay something obviously like having a law degree and working for like a riders union is quite good and being a rider it's quite an ideal combo yeah wow yeah sat here doing it all balancing track and road as well hey wild and here we are saying we're like so tired (laughs) (laughs) from writing our silly little articles we're tired come on 
a grip. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I don't know what else have we got to say. Track. I reckon that's that's kind of it for track. When it comes to road, should we start with the time trial? Yeah, let's do it. Um, time Main trial. headline from the time trial. I feel like it's Marlon Russo's little wobble. Yeah, I mean, interesting one, isn't it? Because really unusual, I think, to see a rider do that. Like, especially in a TT, you normally, unless something goes terribly wrong, like you crash or have a mechanical, you normally finish because it's not like a road race where you've got to get through like four hours of racing to, and if you feel rough um yeah it's like half an hour effort or whatever so yeah weird from well not weird like I get why she well she spoke about it didn't she why she did it she said she was like mentally not like prepared for it she wasn't hungry enough to win um so she didn't keep riding yeah yeah it's a good it's a strange one like like you say like it's it's weird not to just roll in for the finish even if you're not feeling the best or not set to win but for me like I completely see where she's coming from like even if you just look at just the way the calendar is for the women this year it's been so intense up to this point and she's been raced a lot and I think there's a wider issue when it comes to kind of the world tour race days versus team sizes and the amount of riders who are actually capable of like being at the front of those races and like con like actually being in the races. And as a as a completely like no and as like a really reliable domestique for SD works, like she's obviously been put into races. And we can't forget that she's also won on a few occasions of for herself as well, like at Tour de Suisse and Ghent Weather Game and all of that. But for me, what I found strange or what I didn't quite like understand or what didn't seem to add up was how she made that statement at the TT but then still went to the road race and still was quite present in the road race like I don't know yeah I'm I agree I don't really understand that and I think it's hard to comment on it without knowing like I would hope that like that was her decision to start the road race because if there if it wasn't and she was under any sort of like external pressure to take to the start you do have to wonder like about having a bit more of like who's got like the duty of care to tell her that like if you can't finish a time trial because of your like mental health you should not be starting two days three days later in a road in the road race like it's not going to help you feel better so I don't yeah like we don't know what's going on like inside her head obviously but I think I wonder if like she needs someone there to help her like step away because I think with riders sometimes the hardest thing is like telling them when to like not that's why riders have coaches most of the time to tell them when to stop how to not train too much because if you're like she is if you're so hungry for for the win you want to do as much as you can but what what you need is someone people you trust around you to say you're not good like you you need a break so I, my kind of thing is when yeah where is that person for her and um or or like was she the one who wanted to race I don't know but I wonder if like the Swiss Federation or whatever could should have said to her like we don't think it's good for you to be in the race like 
you can you can take you can choose to take a rider out of the race if you even if they want to do it you know if you think they might still be suffering from injury or like they've had a concussion it's the coaches can say you're not racing you're not starting because you're not fit to start surely they should have that same approach to like mental health you know if like she's not fit to start because she's not in a good place then they should take the responsibility of saying okay we're gonna bring the reserve in to fill your place that's the way I kind of see it like if we want to take it seriously then it should be treat like treated like any other injury or kind of illness or whatever it is you know like you would treat like them having a cold that's kind of how that's kind of how I see it but I think like you said there's a problem with the calendar and also I think with women's cycling as well there's so many riders who do everything so like Bruce is like one example she'll race the classics uh the tour time trials whereas on the men's like I don't know, I haven't looked, but like I wonder if you looked at how many race days like Jonas Winger has had compared to her, for example, or compared to even compared to like Vollering. Um, obviously I know their grand tour is three weeks, so it kind of messed it up today. But but basically I, I highly doubt that the anyone in the men's I'd say on average, the women's peloton probably do more race days because there isn't really that separation yet between the riders who just focus on grand tours and the riders who just focus on the classics. Like in the men's, it's actually like it's a it's like an anomaly it's like a headline if a rider does it all like Pogacar if he does the classics and the tour it's like a big deal whereas in the women's that's just the norm yeah yeah it's also like we've seen that with like Lotte Capecchi being able to be like you know she wins Flanders she wins like track events and she wins uh the road race and she comes third second sorry it's the Tour de France like on GC sixth on the Tourmalet stage like that's it's incredible but it's also kind of a symptom of like where the sport is in terms of development just because it's less at the minute about specializing and more just about being able to just be strong Mm. and then in that like because of that teams are just going to be like well we need to race you because you're going to get a result yeah, I think with like also Kapeki can do that because she's like a phenomenal athlete and she's very unique and like is a special case. But what worries me is like, you know, I hope other riders don't need to look at Kapeki and say like she can win the classics, she can come second at all, she can do track and think that that's a normal thing to be able to do or that's what everyone should be doing because she's like she's really unique in that she has the capacity to do all of that and we don't know also long term like how it will impact her like we don't know what if she keeps doing this for another two three years what you know what is the outcome going to be for her like the longevity of her career um so yeah I don't think she's like even though it's amazing what she does I don't think her like calendar is like the gold standard or anything everyone like something everyone has to look up to you know no no and I, I I think in a world where like there was more depth and more like maybe like a longer tour de France or like a more hilly more hilly stages in the tour or whatever like I think it's only possible because of how generalized women's cycling still is and how it's kind of we're still at this point where yeah races like the tour aren't long enough or like as challenging to sort out like climbers from sprinters from you know like we've even got the sprinters like trying to climb better because they know that they need to be able to like obviously that happens in the men's but I mean in terms of like 
they need they feel like they need to climb better otherwise they don't even get opportunities to sprint ever like it's difficult isn't it because on the one hand yeah like the tour isn't like the men's tour where there are so many mountains that it kind of boils always boils down to the pure climbers who are fighting for gc but do we want that because when when we do have those um really like high mountain stages it ends up being like two riders or like who are anywhere near in contention for the win and it does make it less exciting so i can't really decide like what the solution is because we don't want like volering to be able to just ride away with every tour de france and win by minutes and minutes and maybe like just because it's how they have it in the men's peloton doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be mirrored in the women's but um I think it's just like going to have to be like a slow progress thing. Like I don't think, I don't honestly, I think until there's the strength to have like a women's tour de France that's three weeks long, it's like a good, like far, at least five years away, I'd say in terms of, or more probably, I don't know, but it's a long way away. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I, yeah, I think it's just, a, it's a gradual process. It's going to like, it will come eventually, but right now, like there is this, we are in this kind of like, it's almost like a bit of a limbo, like a bit of a liminal phase of the sport where it's like you've got riders that can, that are just all, everyone, to be the best, you have to just be an all-rounder who can climb pretty well, like, essentially. And it is possible to do everything. But at the same time, like you say, it, that doesn't mean that you have to. And it doesn't mean that it's right for riders like Marlon Rosa to be flogged yeah exactly yeah I think it will be better as well because they're introducing like the another level aren't they of teams next year now pro teams so Mm -hmm. that should hopefully help like with a bit more of a development structure where more riders are getting paid to well enough to like be training full-time and have more support um and that will obviously increase the number of riders who are able to like fight for the win in like the big races yeah yeah and yeah any like you know, increased professionalism also meaning things like talking about like, you know, does she have the support? Does she have somebody around her to say like, you don't have to race or like you maybe shouldn't race? Cause that, you know, if you're, if you're going well, cause it's clearly not a form issue. Like she's obviously re- still going really well physically. Like she came forth on Sunday, but that isn't always like a reason to race. If you're mentally exhausted, then you're just going to dig yourself a deeper hole by carrying on. And I think one of the things that we don't see as much maybe in the women's side is the psychological support, like um, people like, yeah, sports psychologists who can advise teams or advise the athletes on like what the best thing uh, to do in those sorts of situations are. And so like, you know, you've got athletes kind of just like trying to make decisions for themselves that like they, they can't really make because they, are always going to want to race and always going to want to try and win. And sometimes it's better to just take a break. Yeah. Like at the end of the road race, um, somebody asked like Van Vluten what she thought about what Marlon had like said about like her burnout. And um, Van Vluten said like, oh, I've been working with a mental coach for like years and it's really helped me. And people say to me like, what's wrong with like what's the matter with you like what's your issue why do you need to work with a mental coach and she's kind of saying like that's the mentality that you need to change like you don't just start working with a mental coach because you're struggling like it should be a given that you do that 
from the start of like be- becoming a pro or whatever like teams should give that to riders even if riders like seem like they're in a really good place mentally like there's no it's yeah it shouldn't be like reactionary to them having like problems you know no and it's actually quite like it's it's surprising almost that that it isn't more of a thing in the sport because it is such a mental game as well like it is so much about the head as it is the legs like it's it's actually quite shocking that that it's not more common yeah no no it really is I mean like it's crazy to think like you would pay to send riders on training camps and go to altitude and stuff but you wouldn't invest in a mental coach them like that's probably more important than anything else is like having a good mentality in a race so hopefully like yeah we'll see more and more of it um and teams like as they get bigger and like more funding and stuff it'll be but I mean you say more funding but it's not like it's not like mega expensive to get one I don't know like I don't really know if that's even an excuse like funding I think it's just that maybe it's a bit of a taboo still but people like Marlon speaking out probably would help with that yeah yeah I think it might it's probably like a cultural thing across like certain teams and stuff too like I think there's maybe some some teams and certain cultures that might not embrace it the same I don't know yeah yeah no I know if you're like a more kind of old school setup it's probably not something they used to have like back in the old days is it (laughs) no it wasn't Um, normal not normaler normaler um but aside from Marlon in the TT obviously Chloe Daggett won which I think once Marlon Rosa wasn't in contention anymore that was pretty pretty obvious no I think so yeah even though Daigo was also saying she was ill like before wasn't she? <laughs> the yeah. tweet yeah the tweet it was like just in case just in case we're gonna yeah, say yeah. she's ill um, I mean fair enough again I guess that's also like another thing like taking the mental pressure off her perhaps in a way yeah yeah I mean we saw like following uh she didn't post like she was fifth was she fifth in the end or fourth I don't know anyway she didn't go on the podium and I maybe expected a bit more from her like actually because after the tour I don't know I thought she would be going a bit better but I th- almost think this world champ she was like I know she finished second and stuff but she didn't look as sharp as she has been and I think she was also showing signs of fatigue in the time trial and in the road race actually so yeah there was I think Diger had obviously she she'd done the track well she'd done the um individual pursuit on the track but other than that like she'd had a very specific prep for the world so I think that was quite clear that she was a lot fresher than the people who had been to the tour and she's an example of a rider who actually talking of like riders burning out like she seems to really pick her pick and choose her races and doesn't mm-hmm. ever try and seem seem to do too much and that's it's quite interesting like I I wonder I guess a rider maybe of her results and stuff you've got a bit more clout to say to your team oh I, I only want to race xyz but yeah it's quite interesting that it like targeting an event um and like having really specific uh focus on it it does pay off and she kind of showed that in the both the, like pursuit and the time trial at the worlds I wish yeah. she'd have done so that's kind of sad the road race, yeah. Really good to see how I do the road race. Yeah. 
Also notable absentees from the road race, Katina Yadoma. Oh, I know. So sad. Um, she, was, she was there and like ready, wasn't she? But she had a illness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think it would have been a good race for her, like very aggressive, like punchy, technical. Uh, oh, yeah. Like if she'd have been on full fitness, that was right up her street, like all those explosive climbs um that really like the racing was really aggressive as well with a lot of attacking I, don't, I think Cassia like doesn't really seem to love it when it's really cagey and like everyone's watching each other and she loves it when it's just like race to the death basically <laughs> she, she loves like a proper hard race and I think that's kind of what it was on Sunday so she probably would have done really well there but yeah shame for her Super sad. and obviously yeah Elisa Longa Borghini we didn't have her there because of her upper thigh infection skin thing I don't know but she's back on the bike now actually I saw yesterday they posted that she was back training but yeah she was still yeah. dealing with that which is she would, have also, well. she would have smashed that course as well to be fair so mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. Castle like obviously it was so technical and she's uh, like absolutely sick at the corners like she's so good technically she would have been really ragging it around that course I think she would she's a little shredder um but yeah so I guess they weren't there but who was there I was really um I was really impressed with um Cecily Ludwig Ludwig. um I feel like I was about to say like when I was looking back at this and I was thinking of what we were talking about today I was like oh she hasn't really done much or like we haven't seen her at her best this year really then I was looking at her results and it's not as if she's been like nowhere she's always she's still still been really consistent she's still got lots of top tens but I just it just feels to me like we've not seen that much of her this year yeah I know what you mean I think she started well didn't she because she was on the podium in Strada Bianchi also behind Kopecky and Vollering, funnily enough. Um, and then I think maybe the tour, she I did was she's kind of a little bit absent in the tour, but she also rode the Giro as well. So she's done a lot, hasn't she? She's thinking about it. Giro, tour, worlds. Um, so yeah, I know what you mean. She's always there or thereabouts, isn't she? But she just hasn't had a big result um this year. So yeah, I think she's a bit like of a confusing one, is it? Cecily because on the one hand she's like she kind of seems to be go go for GC like in the tour and the Giro um but then actually like she seems to be more suited to like states getting going for stage wins so mm-hmm. she's like well that's like I mean going back to like talking about the women's peloton and stuff like she's a rider who wouldn't be allowed like probably wouldn't be allowed to just say oh, I don't care about GC I'm going to lose time so I can go in the break and try and get stage wins because like they like FTJ in that race would want to put like every chance they've got into a good GC position. So, but like yeah, I don't know. She's another one who seems to be doing a lot. And I mean, she was going well at the Worlds, but who knows how she could have gone had she not like done the Giro and the Tour and everything. Yeah, I mean, and then she, I think to be honest, like watching it, that was like her best ride this year, really. Like to come third behind those two which she technically did at Strada Bianchi but she actually didn't because who was there? <laughs> Kristen Faulkner yeah, yeah that um, was um but 
yeah I don't know it was just like nice to see her um it was a good cause for her too like she's also like a very aggressive punchy yeah and she like she instigated the winning move didn't she really she did set it up um so quite good impressive for her because they were all like really on the limit at that point weren't they like even Lizzie Diagnan who was in that front group you could see like how much it was hurting and um to still have it in your legs to push yourself and go again at that point yeah Mm -hmm. it was a pretty impressive ride from her and yeah it was good to see her back up there because I think she is like a popular rider like and people like just to see her do well generally yeah yeah, speaking of how good to see Lizzie Dagnan at the front of a world's road race, especially in the UK as well. Like just was... I, I was just like, oh, if this was another year on, like it would have been so per- like I reckon she would have won. A hundred percent to Kentucky, but we'll just we'll just be completely biased. <laughs> Even she's like very aware she's still got more training to do and like more form to get. And it's like if you're already riding to six that the world's in like the hardest road race the hardest race for like years then what are we gonna see from you like next year I'm so excited that and also what I think is good about Lizzie is like she really put it all on the line didn't she she was going for gold and now she wanted like to win and she wasn't racing to think oh like I just want to get a top five here she was like I've won I've been a world champ before like what what does the top five mean to her she was prepared to like raced for win race to win or lose the race like and that was so cool to see she also because I think because she's done so much and she's such like an experienced rider she doesn't have that mentality of like oh like Volering and Capecchi are gonna win or SD Works riders are the best so what can we do about it she's she just doesn't seem to like embody that mindset that I think some riders have she's like I'm I'm have got just as much right to be in this front group as they have and like I'm not gonna afraid to like stick it to them so it's like good for you Lizzie yeah you know, it's interesting as well because she said like I mean I put it in this podcast the last one of the tour she said in her interview after the time trial that she'd kind of seen how the aggressive racing at the Tour de France paid off for riders and was like that was the tactic that GB needed to take into the into the road race at Worlds and that's kind of what happened yeah, they were they were having such a good race actually. Like they they were so active. You had like Anna Henderson who was on such a good day until she uh punched it out, didn't she? Did she punch or did she crash? Was it a crash? I think it was a crash, like on, on the corner. Yeah, yeah, like and if that hadn't have happened, I think that they could have actually had both of them probably in that front group at the end because Anna Henderson looked so good. So it's a shame because I wonder how much difference it would have made if they could like play off each other with attacks. Because there was moments where actually like. Demi and Lotta were looking at each other so much and Lizzie went and I there were times where I was like oh my god has she done it here is this the move um but obviously it didn't work out but like had she had a teammate in there as well who could have then like counted it I don't know it could have been such a good um like race for them also Anna Shackley was she was third in the U23 as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah good day for the GB riders I think yeah and speaking of the under 23 so Blanca Vass she raced the under twenty three, um, XCO race on the Friday, and then went across on to Glasgow, and went and won the under twenty three world champs. That's a lot. Wow, good for her, man. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, 
yeah she is kind of like I think she won she won like it was like a sprint of about like 10 of them wasn't there who were kind of no 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 one in the under 23 like competition was in that front group and then it was like the second bigger group on the road they sprinted for it and she has got she has got a good sprint mm-hmm. so yeah yeah well I mean she won from a sprint at Swiss was it Swiss when she won the first second stage yeah first stage, first yeah. stage. yeah um, I think it was just her I think it was Blanca Vass um Shirin Van Amoy and Anna Shackley were the three in that group who were like had to sprint against each other so I mean Shirin's pretty quick as well so it was quite impressive that um Blanca Vass won isn't it is it next year or the year after it's the year after right where they get their own race the under 23s I think it's 25. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah, I think people were saying oh, only one more year of this before they have their own race. Because there was what, like, I think someone said there was like 50 riders in the race, or 50 or 60 riders in the race who were going for the under 23. So like, it's not like there isn't the demand or like the numbers for it, you know? No. No, so, and I guess that's within the elite peloton too. So like if there yeah. was, a, was a separate race, like... And then yeah. that also frees up spots for other elite riders and the yeah oh yeah so much better it really will be a lot better yeah. saying um just looking at the results only 19 under 23s actually finished the race <laughs> so, well if they were in their own separate race yeah. they'd probably be more that's, that's the yeah. thing another argument for it isn't it yeah yeah also um, but also like there, ha- there can't be that many finishes anyway i know like in the men's there were only like 50 yeah. finishes or something yeah such a hard course yeah. Although actually, well, there was eighty six finishers, oh. and but then the the last person was twenty minutes down, so it's quite a lot. That's probably like a yeah, that's probably like almost a whole lap. I was gonna say they must have been close to getting lapped. Yeah. Do they not do eighty percent in on the? No, I think the time limit. Wait, do you mean like oh, you mean putting them out? Yeah, I like think... in mountain biking, I think cross two. If you're less than eighty percent. Wait, if you, yeah, you get pulled out basically because it's laps. Otherwise, you're gonna get like in the way. Yeah, yeah. No, I guess not. Oh, I'm glad they let them finish though. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't know anything else to add about the road race. Uh, the road race. Yeah, I'm sure there's more to add. Oh yeah, so interesting, like a bit interesting dynamic with like the SD Works riders being on different teams. Um, in the final group there. I was wondering, like, if they were going to do anything that sort of worked for each other. Because I was at this event, like, a few days before with, like, all the SD Works riders were there. And they were like, oh, we just want the jersey, like, in the team. So, like, in, in the SD Works team. So, when they were saying that, I was a bit like, so what does that mean? Like, if you have, well, like, we did have Vollering, Kapeki, uh, Rusa, all in the same group and I was trying to I was trying to see if they were doing anything to help each other but to be honest I don't I didn't see anything like overtly obvious um personally I think like actually Kapeki was getting quite annoyed at following wasn't she at times for not helping her with the with the chase when Shabby mm. was out so yeah I don't think that really actually played a factor in the end no which is a good thing because it shouldn't really be it's not meant to be a trade team thing so yeah no. I think if anything, the weirdest dynamic in that group was Annemiek van Vluten and Vollering, because van Vluten obviously uh, had a, like two bike changes, chased back on, 
And then it was kind of like, all right, you'd expect her to go straight to the front and start working for Vollering to pull back um, Elise Shabby. But she didn't do it straight away. And um, after the race, I think she said that Demi had to say to her, look, like you have to pull now. So she went to the front and did it. But it was kind of, it wasn't until Demi told her to go that she did it. Because I think Van Luten actually thought she had really, she probably did, but she also thought she had really good legs. Like she was saying she was flying. So... Yeah. yeah, Van Vliet was an interesting one because I, I do think she looked better there than she did for most of the tour, actually. She's um, like the rider who managed to punch her and get back on in that circuit out of like every race that happened. Like ha- like no one else managed to chase back. Uh, like that if on that circuit, it was like if you had a mechanical or something, you were out of the race and somehow she got back twice. <laughs> yeah. But also like she did say too that it's always the thing with the Dutch squad, right? Like messy tactics because they are all so good. But apparently they did go in with Demi as the sole leader. Although. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how could you not like after the tour, what are you going to say to her? Like, oh, we think someone else in this team is better than you. She'll be like, well, I just won the Tour de France by <laughs> quite a lot. So I think I'm the best. Like, yeah. 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 It. So I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. yeah Van Vlitten's last world champs I know her little victory lap was so sweet I thought when yeah was it was like, actually wow, it was like such a good moment oh. I was welling up in a way like even if she had the legs even if she'd like managed to do it it would have been pretty sad for like someone to win the rainbow jersey and then retire yeah, true. She wouldn't have had much of a... Well, she wouldn't have had any chance. I wonder if she would have still retired if she'd won, though. Interesting. I don't know. I was reading your piece where she said that um, the more people tell her that she should carry on, yeah. the more she wants to stop. Which I thought... I, I rated that, actually. Like, I think that's... She's right. It's, like, better to stop when everyone's begging you to carry on than when everyone's just like, why haven't you finished yet? Yeah, like, retire... If she'd have won and, won and then retired as the world champ, like... Awesome, to be fair, mic drop. Yeah, literally, that is quite legendary. Um, but yeah, no. Other than her, I think Christina Schweinberger, she mm-hmm. was very good. Like mm-hmm. a little bit of a surprise. She was like the only one in that front group where you were like, "Wow, I'm really impressed you've made it into this like selection." Because I haven't really, I haven't really seen a lot. Uh, like, I know she's always there or like thereabouts, but not that level usually. No, and, and also after coming third in the TT, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had. Honestly, Phoenix de Koenig are having a moment this season. Like, yeah. they've, they've like, massively come to the fore in a I way know. that we haven't really seen before. When I was looking at her, like, post-argument starts afterwards to, like, see what she'd done, and she is contracted with them till 2025 as well. Which I was like, and which is good, like, and she was on Plantapura in 2022. So it's like, this is the benefit of these teams offering long contracts. Like, that's what's so good about that team is they're not afraid to, like, commit to a rider for, like, three or four years. And then when you take that chance and, like, give someone that sort of support, you reap the rewards like they have with her. And I think that's a good case of, like, why you should, shouldn't just give these riders, like, a one-year contract. It's, they need, like, proper belief in them to you know give you give you back your investment sort of thing yeah and time to develop instead of thinking like 
shit, I'm on a one-year contract. I need to, like, perform ASAP and then just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she was saying, like, I spoke to her afterwards, actually, and she was saying, like, she really didn't expect it um, to be in that group. And, like, she'd gone in, like, she knew she was on good form, but she didn't go into it thinking, like, um, I want to get, like, any specific result. It was just, she just was trying to see how far she could go and yeah she was she looked so strong as well she wasn't far off like a medal really she was like she looked probably stronger than Lizzie I'd say by the end there mm-hmm. um so yeah it was cool good to see yeah shout out to Elise Shabby as well for that Hail Mary move <laughs> I know she still finished seventh fair play honestly after that effort she finished oh, ahead of some pretty big yeah I mean at, at one point I was like oh my god is she gonna do this because it's Lily Shabby at the end of the day like she's a really good time trialist and they just kind of let her go and they they weren't really chasing for a long time no and like it would have been so like it would have just been a classic Dutch team fuck up wouldn't it if she'd have won like they have been known to just like mess up in these sort of races so I was like god she's I actually really thought she might do it at points I think almost think maybe Kapeki was like the main reason why she didn't um Kapeki was the one who was like driving it the most and kept attacking and like was not prepared to like sit back and give up or like let her win um I'd say like she was probably the main one who made sure that Shabby was caught Mm -hmm. um but yeah no it would have been funny if she'd have just won solo you were like odds on don't be crossing the line and celebrating so she didn't realize that Shabby was ahead. I literally I was I was like I can fully see a Dutch rider being like oh we didn't know there was a rider up front did I not win but thank god that didn't happen because they don't have radios do they to be fair no which always um, makes it interesting but I think they've learned their lesson with that one maybe hopefully yeah they've got eyes haven't they I mean come on um but yeah it was a good race it was I love that course as well like some people were really hating on the course weren't they like saying it was too dangerous and stuff and maybe it was awful to ride I imagine it was quite grim but great to watch great from like spectators point of view yeah I didn't really get the criticisms of it that much and like people saying like sorry you guys raised Paris-Roubaix are you yeah true like I know it's not the same like maybe that's a bit of a silly comparison but like it's what I'm trying to say is that like what do you want every course to be like so manicured and so like perfect to ride then like I don't know go race in America like I think I don't know like you classics no one looks at the classics and thinks like oh my god this is really dangerous like should we really be racing this and I don't really know how how that differs too much from this course because it was like twists and turns dodgy road surface at times like yeah I I agree like I also I think you can kind of make that argument a bit better when you get like or when like the favorites crash out because it was so dangerous or whatever but in in the men's and the women's road races it was it was the the expected top five pretty much like Mm -hmm. you it was expected winners. It was like the strongest riders still won. So if anything, I think that says that it was a good racing course because 
it was still like the best riders who came out on top, but it wasn't um, the type of course where they just rode away and won by 10 minutes. It was like the best riders still won, but they just had to work really hard for it, like Pecky did. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, she was, she was like, I haven't seen her. I know she won, but she looked like she was trying the hardest she'd try. I've ever seen her try. Basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Which shows like, that, and that's what you want out of a world championships like you want them to have to like fight for it like that you don't want it to just be like all right see ya with 50k to go like how we've seen Anamique win before no that would have not been good um yeah it was great I, I thought it was such a good world champs actually overall mm-hmm. very emotional podium oh, as well yeah it was Kapeki that was like did you see her interview afterwards where she was just like in absolute pieces? She was sobbing. Did you cry? Oh. Rachel, I always cry when people win fame. Oh, yeah, I cry, obviously. Because <laughs> that's Kapeki <laughs> cries, I cry. Um, Following was crying. I don't think Cecily cried. I think she was a bit like, she actually looks a bit dazed after the finish. She was kind of like, what the fuck did I just do? Like Pog after the men's race, where he was just like, what just happened yeah he was like whiteying in the mix zone he had to like be escorted out because he was like (laughs) (laughs) he was like yeah didn't he say like one more lap i would have been in an ambulance it's like (laughs) same (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i heard he got fined for not doing media even though he was like literally like stretched away basically classic uci in it oh man but yeah. yeah, obviously Demi cried because she always cries. Oh, yeah, she can't help it. She's always running she on. I mean, same, same. Yeah, same. Yeah, fully. Um, um but yeah, Kopecky and Rainbow Stripes for the rest of the year and the rest of next season too, which is I think it makes sense. I think it's yeah, it will be. It'll look right. A hundred percent. Like you wouldn't. She's one of the riders I would pick to be in rainbow so she's always like, attacking she's a great world champ to have I feel like she'll want to win um Flanders in rainbows as well next year I think that'll be, mm. I'll be I good. absolutely love how much it's doing for um women cycling in Belgium too and the growth of like that stat about the massive increase in the uptake of racing licenses for young girls like yeah that's so sick it is that's yeah really cool and um I hope yeah because I mean I think with Belgium Belgian women cycling like there is a surprisingly like few uh amount like number of riders who come from that country considering it's like the heartland of cycling on the on the women's side you maybe I would maybe expected them to be like to there to be more like top riders coming from there but I think it has just kind of been Capecchi as like the main one um over the last on the road anyway over the last like few seasons so it'll be good to see the di- like long term the difference that that makes mm-hmm. the Kopecky effect exactly. but yeah I think um I think we've basically done it all we've covered it all all that we can cover and that we can remember yeah I think we've maintained our reputation as the most chaotic podcast going yeah, uh, <laughs> knowing who won anything. Um, uh, we're not in my car this time, so did that take the stress off a little bit? 
slightly I think my yeah my heart rate's been a bit more steady this podcast than previous um um, but yeah no what is the next what's next anyway I'm trying to Scandinavia yeah and Van Vluten's doing that isn't she it's like one of her last two races Mm -hmm. oh yeah because she she did a press release where she said what she was gonna yeah what what is she finishing on then what's her last one like ladies tour okay okay she said she she like didn't she doesn't she actually said in her interview after the world she hates that race like in terms of it's really not her thing because it's like super flat and technical but it's I think she said there's a time trial like or that one of the stages is like less than 5k from her house I think it's a time Uh... something like that so she was like it's just a really nice way to finish her career because it's so close to home and stuff so that's quite yeah cool. I guess there's like a Dutch rider to finish in the Netherlands as well as yeah yeah, yeah. so literally it's just tour of Scandinavia then Simak ladies tour and then that's the end of Annemiek Ravluen that's mad isn't it that is weird. crazy what it's an adjustment be, really it's gonna be a weird season actually mm-hmm. I feel like Van it- went but then there was still Annemiek and now there's gonna be like no Van der Berg and no Annemiek Van Vluten. it's like the end moment. of an era yeah it, it really is. is yeah <laughs> I really I feel like this season now is just like what like I feel like there's nothing left you know yeah that's another thing she actually said in her interviews like our calendar needs revision because we haven't we she was like we want like a Lombardia or something to bother like no offense to Mac Lady Store but something to bother still racing for you know like no true they didn't, she was like we don't have an autumn like and I was like yeah good point you really don't no um oh, it's literally Scandinavia Plue C-Mac and Romandy and then it's the the races in China and that's it I know it's like, like you're just not like you could do worlds in August and not race again and like like Volering could just not race again this year which is crazy because, yeah but then you've got to start your winter in like September or like then start of October that's a bit rough isn't yeah, it no yeah I can't do that I know um, I think it's good for like maybe you know these next races we might see like some riders that come to the fore that we haven't really like seen and because like the big dogs might be chilling so yeah it was, it was Romandy last year wasn't it where Ash won and beat Van Vluten at this time of year like I think it's the kind of yeah time of year where you can start to see some different riders at the front yeah maybe I really feel like this should at least be the Vuelta at the same time as the men's for the women or something like that just because you know like at least on the men's side now they've got another grand tour come in they've got like you say like Lombardia stuff like this like there was there's still a lot of um there's a lot in the calendar still whereas yeah we're I'm just literally sat here like is it off season yet <laughs> yeah literally yeah the men have got so much it's got like those Canadian rates world tour races as well like uh Quebec mm-hmm. um yeah like if you're a guy like you're nowhere near done whereas if you're a woman a female rider you can just kind of sure but then like it's not like to say that they I mean they've raced so much like it was so crammed in they really need that's yeah that's the issue yeah like they've been absolutely flogged until now and then now it's just like oh now what (laughs) literally oh well needs to be sorted out though doesn't it it does well 
that's for another day true yeah now we've got a week of like nothing to talk about but uh what are you doing this week (laughs) anything that might be interesting what well like we'll have to do some interesting things this week ourselves and then we'll have something oh and then that's true that's true well um, i'm going camping our diary Uh uh-huh just make this like our diary like Um, yeah I'm going camping in Devon and it's meant to be like thunderstorming and I'm staying on a cliffside campsite. So I'll come back with my uh, dispatches from that weekend. You come back, bloody hell. <laughs> if you're not washed off the side of a cliff. Don't. God, I'm going. Camping, on. that's brave. Yeah, I love camping, but not in the rain. So, and we're in the UK. <laughs> so we'll see. Well, it'll be fun. Hopefully it won't rain as bad as it says. Yeah, I just sometimes I think the weather forecast is just a bit a bit neggy. You know, I don't always believe it. No. No, no, think think positive thoughts and it'll be fine. We're not all we're not all sunning ourselves in Spain the whole time. Oh, but it's gonna be like disgustingly hot here this weekend. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. too hot. Like I'm not ready. Like I I came back here. I feel like I just got used to the cold in the UK. And then I came back here and I was like, why is it so hot? Like I can't actually breathe. Oh, God. Easy, I'm honestly it? like excited for autumn. You're That's ready for it. I'm ready. I'm ready for like nice ambient temperatures and just not sweating constantly, you know? Just a bit of balance, I think. Mm, yeah. I agree. Well, there we go. Okay. <laughs> Thank, thanks for listening to our if you made it this far, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah. You deserve some sort of prize. I don't know what, but yeah um we'll be back at some point i don't know when and yeah cool yeah bye <laughs> <laughs>